0: We got what it takes for the circle to break, revolution is in me. I belong, I belong, I belong, I belong, Hi you guys, welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery in all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce and I'm so thankful that you're here. So today I'm going to do a little recap of 2022 by sharing 30 things I learned this last year. And I'll close with a few quotes from some of my favorite 2022 reads. 22 things seemed like a better title, but I wrote out 30 things and couldn't eliminate any of them. So I'm going to split this up into two episodes because 30 lessons is a lot to cover. And while I could do a whole solo cast on each of these lessons, because they all go very, very deep and I considered it, I love talking to our guests way too much. So I'm going to keep each one pretty short. And I hope with them being short, they still make sense. It's a little hard to just briefly touch on such deep topics, but I'm going to do my best. Also, none of these lessons have to be your truth, but I'm sharing them because of the medicine that they were for me. And they are each simply invitations for you to use them if they resonate. Okay. So lesson number one was that having is evidence of wanting, everything in my life that exists on some level, I called in. There is some sort of deep desire in my unconscious for all that is around me. Every pattern, every money issue, every conflict with a friend that keeps happening. Because deep down, my soul wants to either break this pattern or to wake me up through it, and in all, to make it conscious. What became super helpful for me was to ask two questions about every pattern or conflict. The first question is, what is my work here? And what part of me enjoys this? That's the second question. This doesn't necessarily mean that you stay in the relationship, job, or friendship. It just means you don't leave without answering those two questions. Otherwise, it will just follow you to the next place that you go. For example, with scarcity. If I have a provision wound from my father never providing some level, I like having less than others and being in need because then it creates opportunity for to help me and to give to me. And that feeds my little girl that's still crying for daddy to show up and help her. I'll dive more into that, into the healing of this and an upco- upcoming, ah, sorry guys, <laughs> I'll dive more into the healing of this and an upcoming solo cast around father, father wounds. And I'll also be doing a masterclass on it on the 25th of this month for only $25, which is almost free. You can sign up at jade brycecom It'll be a 90 minute masterclass on healing the father wound and the recording will be available if you can't attend live. Another example could be that I've convinced myself that I don't belong due to a deep, Belonging, this wound from my childhood this is one of my deepest wounds so I subconsciously create conflict with loved ones that reinforces that belief it's in really sitting though and asking those two questions what is my work here and what part of me enjoys this that you can uncover the root of so many patterns and pain points and make the unconscious conscious changing your fate lesson number two I truly learned the power of inner child work that when you connect to her or to him and ask questions, they will answer back and it will blow your mind. If you get really quiet and slow down and drop into the body, feeling where they exist at, like where is your inner child existing at in your body and making space to connect to your inner child and to hear from them. There is so much richness available there for us. Asking my inner child what she's protecting me from has been the fastest way for me to solve so many of my heartaches and it's provided quantum leaps worth of healings. I ask her, what are you afraid of? What are you trying to protect me from? What is it that you need from me? How old are you? How old do you think I am? Can you trust me to handle this for you? This has become one of my favorite practices to walk my clients through, and there's a whole module on it in my women's program. For a long time, my inner child couldn't feel safe in any situation because she hadn't realized that things were truly different now, and I'm still teaching her that she can just play. Lesson number three I received from Maddie Moon, it's to do an inventory of your life force energy. For over a month, I wasn't able to write or create anything. I was in so much grief over my uncoupling, which will also be covered in, in an upcoming solo cast at the end of this month. And nothing was coming out of me because I just was in so much grief. And I started to fear because in my previous relationship and my partnership, I had safety of provision and that gave me the space to blossom and take courses and relax enough to create. Then, knowing that that was gone, I feared that all of the freedom and safety would also be gone, which meant my creativity would be gone too. In the months prior of the uncoupling, I had content and programs and tables of contents just like flowing out of me. I couldn't keep them in. And then after the uncoupling, nothing. And Maddie said something that sparked something in me and brought it back. She asked, where is your life force rooted in? Where is your power rooted in? If it's in the breakup, you won't be able to create. It can't be in the person you're separating from. As a feminine being, it's natural to be devoted to love. So where is your power and your life force rooted in? It can be sourced in something you believe in, as long as it's a channel for you to feel your power. Mine was in that moment rooted in him and my previous partner and all the things I wish I had done differently or wish he would accept about me. And I decided to take that energy back and I consciously rooted it instead in staying on my spiritual truth, staying in my spiritual truth and on my spiritual path, creating abundance and expansion and pleasure. I didn't have energy to create because my life force was being drained because it was rooted in the wrong place. This doesn't mean that I didn't still provide myself as much space and time as needed for my grief, but taking my life force back and redirecting it was extremely empowering for me. I plan on often looking at where that may be directed and being very intentional with it. Lesson number four and number five comes from my dear friend, Kathy. She's in my women's group and has become so dear to me. The fourth lesson is around victim mentality. Prior to this lesson, I avoided feeling like a victim at all costs. I felt like if I was allowing myself to be in the role of the victim, that I was making myself available for others to show up in my life as the villain, as the perpetrator. I also felt like being a victim was just so disempowering. I was speaking to my women's group about something I was hurting over in my partnership, in my, in my past partnership at the time. And I kept saying, please tell me if I'm in victim mentality. And Kathy came back with this. An important part of the heroine's journey is to fully allow yourself to be the victim of it all. And to really acknowledge the part of you that really feels like a victim of it. Not to judge it. The ego will try to judge it and stop the empowerment process because it wants you to stay small. The process requires you become unleashed fully into the victim until you have allowed that part to completely express and feel acknowledged and validated, not corrected, even by you. And stopping this part of the process will keep you from claiming the full empowerment that is available on the other side of the process. The resurrection story is a great example of this. The image of Jesus on the cross. God, why have you forsaken me? You cannot have the full resurrection without the full surrender into the victim. It's a necessary part of the journey. You have to fully come undone. To take it all the way to the extreme in order to fully see and die to who you have been. To be reborn into who you are becoming. Holy fuck. Thank you, Kathy, for all the wisdom you bring to my life. Not suppressing this part of me that can show up as the victim has been so liberating and so healing. And I realized that deep down why I ran from the victim is because I didn't want to be judged as a victim, especially by my friends. So one of my favorite friends giving me permission to feel the victim. Oh, that was extremely healing as well. Part of allowing it to be expressed helped me release that fear also. So the fifth lesson that also comes from my dear friend, my dear sister Kathy, is to remember with every symptom, the body is speaking. Every single time that I'm sick, or that my body does some sort of mysterious thing, or if I get a hernia from lifting a crystal, (laughs) which just happened, Kathy will remind me to explore an alchemical body tool to trust the wisdom that my body carries and that it's inviting me to lean into, to allow the symptom to share with me, not to reject it, but to bring it in close, to see it as a part of me that is trying to get my attention, to ask it what emotion it's holding, to give the emotion a voice to express in the most primitive emoting pathway through sound and movement. What story is it telling? What is it saying? Can I recognize the voice? Does it sound familiar? What does this part of me need? We are always so quick to rush to the medicine cabinet to numb any symptom or to just get in bed and watch Netflix until it goes away. But there is rich opportunity for wisdom if we can slow down and listen. It doesn't mean we don't also get treatment needed, but oftentimes it ends up not being needed when we fulfill the actual need it's revealing to us so for example the hernia that i got when i asked it what it wanted to say to me it said stop straining stop straining when i asked it what it needed it needed me to invite in more ease so again thank you kathy for your beautiful divine mother wisdom Lesson number six is from an experience I had with one of my best friends, Becca. I'm convinced that Becca and I were once one soul, that we came here to heal many things through our sisterhood. And in the last year, we had a few growing pains. What I discovered through these experiences due to the safety that I feel with her was how much healing we can experience in conflict with another if we keep our hearts open. By really looking at ourselves and asking, am I open or am I closed towards this person? And making sure your heart is open and then responding from there. This one step changes everything. Through keeping our hearts open, we have experienced so much healing through coming up against feelings with each other. And it's inspired us both to be able to practice that in our other relationships. Honestly, it was the first time I had experienced it with someone where we were both consciously choosing to keep our hearts open and to communicate from there. So simply checking in on if your heart is open is revolutionary for your relationships. It's also helped me in my relationships when something seems off or someone is upset with me or being hurtful to, you know, first make sure my heart is open and then to simply ask what's beneath this? Is there anything else here that has been really, really helpful? Lesson number seven comes from when I did not put lesson number six into practice. So there have been many times in the last year that I was triggered by dogmatic religious framework or by someone collapsing someone into what they think an entire phenomenon is. I get heavily triggered by injustice, by lack of empathy towards others, and by someone being condemned for their way of living. I was super bullied as a kid. And so maybe it comes from that. But oftentimes when I'm feeling triggered, I can do exactly what that person is doing. I can judge back and think about why they are the ones that are wrong instead of who they are condemning. And I can think about how this is what's wrong with the world and we'll never find healing if we keep being anti-something or anti-anything or anti-movements. And sometimes I speak from this place. I come from a place of desiring to inspire empathy deep down. Like that's where I'm coming from. That's my heart in it. However, we don't help something evolve by judging it. And that's lesson number seven. We don't help something evolve by judging it. It will never work. We have to come to something with empathy as well. So I'm learning to pause and to look at where I'm judging And yeah, it's funny to think about how I'm judging someone for judging someone, right? I'm doing the exact same freaking thing. And lesson number eight is what I've learned to use in this process as well. It's called The Work by Byron Katie, which I was unfamiliar with before last year, but it's been really powerful work for me. So The Work by Byron Katie is to ask these four questions when having a belief that causes you pain or when you're possibly projecting onto another. So the four questions are, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? And then you turn the thought around. I find that even by that second question of do I absolutely know it's true, I start to feel differently. Here's a real life example that caused a lot of chaos in a friend's group of mine. So a friend made a joke that had to do with transgender rights. There was a woman with a Protect Trans Kids shirt on and he joked that the translation was, I'm a pedo, My, a a pedophile. My stomach hurt. Like as soon as I read that text in the thread, my stomach hurt. And I thought like, we don't know this woman. We don't know her history with pedophiles or if she's had a transgender family member commit suicide due to bullying. I felt defensive for her. I did not use lesson number seven and then said that it was harsh and that protect trans kids doesn't just mean one thing and that we have no idea about this woman's life. And shit kind of hit the fan. Had I used lesson number seven, things would have maybe gone differently. But here's how lesson number eight would be used here. So the first question is it true? Is it true that this guy is being harsh and that this type of talk is causing more pain in the world? Mm. In this moment, yes. It feels like it is. Second question, can I absolutely know that it's true? Well, no, I don't know for sure that he's coming from a place of harshness and I don't actually know that it's causing more pain in the world. Maybe it's actually causing more empathy in some way to others hearing it. I can't actually prove or know for sure what effect someone's words have. Maybe on some level they are needed to open up more conversation around it. I also know that if a trans kid was standing in front of this man, he would want to protect that kid. Third question, how do I react when I believe that he's being harsh and this is causing pain in the world? I get sick to my stomach. I want to speak up on behalf of the person. I feel a lack of belongingness because I now don't feel I fit in with my friends group because I feel so differently than everyone else. And I feel like I seem like the less woke one or the less enlightened one. Who would I be without that thought? I would be more curious. I would speak from a place of belongingness and safety. Then the last step is to turn the thought around. So in this case, instead of he is being harsh and causing more pain in the world by his speech, it's I am being harsh and causing more pain in the world by my speech. Could that be true? Yeah, I am now being harsh towards him and coming from a place of defensiveness instead of curiosity, which is what I was wanting this group to have towards this woman, but not embodying myself. Now, this could easily become a way to gaslight yourself or silence yourself or suppress your anger. There's a thin line here. It's important when doing this work that you still allow yourself to feel both truths and then speak from that place. Even if angry, it just becomes clean anger. And I also know that this can sound exhausting if you're having to constantly do this work in order to stay in a friendship or a relationship. You don't have to stay in the friendship. It's important that the work is matched and that it's a safe space for you to be able to share your heart. Byron Katie's work is really powerful though, to see how we project onto others though. And and after doing it for a while, it becomes like secondhand nature. Also on something that a mentor had mentioned to me when it came to transgender um like the movement right now was that you know everyone has all these like really strong opinions about it but if we didn't put such like rigid frameworks on what it means to be a man or a woman like what it means how you're supposed to dress how you're supposed to act how you're supposed to talk there might not be so much confusion for people if we could just let people be and express and dress and talk and show up how they feel is like their true expression it like then okay so you show up that way and that's what being a woman means for you or that's what being a man means for you it's because we've placed such like rigid rules around what it is how we should dress how we should talk how we should be to be a man or a woman and so that's just a thought to add in there. Um, I didn't have that in the list, but it just, I was just reminded of it. And and I just, I just want everyone to have the safety to be themselves. Okay, lesson number nine also comes from this experience. So I've learned from my best friend, Tom Shadiac, how effective it is to make it about you in these situations. So instead of you're doing this. Or what you said is harsh, it would be, I want to know more about this woman. I want to know her story behind where, why she wears this shirt. My heart hurts hearing these words. And I wonder if we could get more curious about what it actually means to protect trans kids. I know they have the highest suicide rate. And that's what I'm reminded of when I see that shirt. And it actually gives me some hope for their future, that there will be less bullying. This often comes out as an invitation and less antagonistic or accusatory. It can be applied to a relationship where we can say maybe a man never cleans the counter after he is in the kitchen. And instead of you never wipe the counter down after you make your lunch, it could be, I like having clean counters because it helps me stay calm. Can you help me by wiping them down after you make your lunch? This also feels more like an ask instead of a demand. And people tend to want to help when they are being asked to. All right, lesson number 10 is if it feels off, trust it. This seems like common sense, but uh, while I love the saying that fear is excitement without breath, when you slow down and take those breaths, actually listen. There were two situations recently that just did not feel right. I felt so intrigued by them that there was an anxious nervousness in my stomach and I breathed into it and it didn't go away. One was a home that I really wanted to move into and so did my kids. We were stoked on it. I mean, ugh, I'm still thinking about it even though I've been in this this other home for a week, <laughs> but it's it's in the same neighborhood too. So I'm always reminded of it, but Something just seemed off when I was inside of it. It turns out it had mold and I was very, very close to taking the leap on it, but something kept telling me not to. Another situation was a guy that was pursuing me and he was extremely charming and spoke all the spiritual language, but something fell off. I thought maybe it was because he was younger than me or because I'm newly single and was just nervous. So I dismissed it at first. But still that feeling did not leave my stomach and I ended up Googling him and finding his wedding registry. It turns out he was engaged to my best friend's cousin to be married in a month. I'm still a bit baffled by it, but geez, did I feel protected by finding out so quickly and it saved her as well. I'm so thankful that instead of being wooed by this beautiful house that ended up having mold or this charming man, that I trusted my instincts. This could only happen by me slowing down and being able to feel that something was off and then to investigate further. So if there's even a tiny inkling that something is off, breathe into it. Don't rush yourself into something. Slow down. Breathe. And if it's still there, trust it. Lesson number 11, that ties a bit into number 10. Do not let chemistry blind you to the fact that you may not be compatible. Alison Armstrong, whose work typically triggers me, so I'm planning on diving into it a bit more to feel into why, because everyone seems to love her work. She says that when you have absolute fireworks, MDMA type chemistry with someone, run the other way. She says that this person will reenact your deepest trauma wounds and that this is basically a trauma bond. And while all partners will reenact some wounds, we do want to steer clear of trauma bonds. Of course, we love the chemistry though. It feels so good, but often it can also distract us from looking at if we're even compatible with the person. Do we have the same values? Are we on the same page in our parenting with money? Can I support him in his endeavors and him support me in mine? Like, are they actually in support of where we're going in life? Can we fully choose and accept each other? Oftentimes the chemistry and attraction is so yummy that we just think everything else will fall together because this is so incredible and that just doesn't happen. What Allison and other relationship experts teach is that you want a slow build and this leads to a healthy love. Sure, you want to be attracted and have some sort of pull towards the person, but when this is built up slowly, That's when it truly blossoms into the healthy and stable love most of us desire. And that's what I want. The cozy, safe, calming love with a man of integrity that accepts and chooses me that I know is here to stay. Will there be excitement and attraction? Sure. But the out-of-body chemistry, I'm going to steer clear from. I'm wanting to stay in my body these days. Lesson number 12. With every expansion comes a contraction. Every rebirth requires a death. It is not possible for us to always be an expansion. We would break. We need time for rest. We need the contraction in order for the next expansion to be bigger also. And if we don't allow for that contraction, we also don't allow for the next bigger expansion. I used to dread the contractions, y'all. Like after every plant medicine ceremony, I'd be like, oh, okay, but now is going to come the contraction. And now I see them as a time to self-soothe, to go slow. I also used to think that the bigger the expansion, the bigger the contraction, like the farther the fall. And I found that not to be true anymore. It turns out that each contraction is actually less of a fall because it's coming from a more expanded place. You can think of it as if it's the same distance each time that you will contract, but each time you get higher, the drop is the same length, but it doesn't go as low. I'm not loving that language, but it's the only way I can describe it without a visual. So be okay with contractions, know that they're necessary. My uncoupling felt like a fucking death and it was and is still very hard, but I also know that a rebirth is happening. I'm still in this experience, so I'm not completely sure what is being born, but I trust it. I know it's part of the process. Lesson number 13. I'm still gaining back my voice also from being sick last week, y'all. So I moved, I got a hernia, I was on my bleed, I was sick. It was a whirlwind of a week. All right, lesson number 13. Have an internal dialogue between fear and love. It's so incredibly important that we give our fear a voice. If we try to silence it, it will only get louder. Sometimes we think if we're listening to our fear that we're giving it power or that we're becoming low vibrational, but fear is a wise teacher and it is always trying to protect something. When we can find out what that is, the fear can be transmuted to love and embraced by love. Also, our fear is almost always speaking anyways. This just brings some consciousness to the process, to its voice. I find that letting the fear inside me talk to the love inside of me brings me so much clarity. I let the fear speak, and then I let the love respond. The fear is always soothed and can relax, and the love, it always thrives. I say thrive instead of win, because it's not a battle it's simply a dialogue so what is something your fear wants to say right now with something going on in your life what does the love inside you say as a response to that i also got a new puppy which I'll talk about in my uncoupling episode. Um, But if you hear her in the living room whining, that's because she wants to be at my feet at all times, but I didn't know how loud she'd be. So we'll do a little bit of trial and error here. Okay, lesson number 14. Your nervous system deserves to have what makes it feel safe. It deserves to bathe in pleasure. If a clean house helps your nervous system to feel safe because it feels less chaotic, with less chaos around you, you deserve to ask for help from those you live with or to hire a cleaner. If a massage helps your nervous system, you deserve a massage. If having certain items in your home that remind you of your truth help your nervous system to feel safe, you deserve those. And you don't need to justify that to anybody. This may sound like a random lesson in this list, but this was such a necessary thing for me to remember in this last year and for me to give to others. We often try to control other people's experiences or allow our own experience to be controlled. But if we can just allow our nervous system and the nervous system of others to have what it needs to feel safe, to feel pleasure, our grasp of control can loosen. Lesson number 15, money wants to be in flow. I desire for my money to be a river, not a reservoir. I desire to give abundantly and receive abundantly. Money comes to me to get to others. And every time I spend money, I say, thank you. Well, because of the uncoupling and moving into my own place, I had to buy a bunch of stuff. And when I bought a $1,700 washer and dryer, which was the most affordable option at Best Buy with all the parts, and while I wanted to complain and stop my foot, I said, thank you. Thank you, money, for coming to me so that I could buy this washer and dryer. Thank you, money, for now flowing to another. I am so thankful I can buy this washer and dryer. And I stay in an attitude of gratitude as much as possible while allowing the fear to speak when it needs to. And I make sure to give money every month to different people or charities because that's what money wants to do. It wants to be in flow and it's what I wanna do. And it feels damn good to receive and damn good to give. This is the law of divine compensation that the more I give, the more that I receive. And I also feel that money is no longer outside of me I feel wealthy and rich inside. Lesson number 16, which is the last lesson for this episode. And then I'll do the, the next portion with my favorite book quotes in the next episode. Lesson number 16 is that when a creative idea comes, honor it. If it comes at 3 a.m., get out of bed and write it down. If it comes in the shower, do not rush to getting ready when you get out. Sit down, wrap your head in its hair in a towel, sit down and your beautiful nude self and write it down. Always honor when creativity shows up. So many times I had a gush of beauty coming out of me and I didn't write it down. I fell back asleep thinking I'd remember it in the morning. I thought I could just remember it or that it would come back and it didn't. I now honor her showing up by putting pen to paper each time and she now shows up more because of it. Everything else can wait. Something wants to be created. Okay, I hope these served as medicine, as invitations, as pleasure ponderings for you. I love you so much and I'm so thankful to have had another year on Untamed and Unashamed. I will thank my affiliates really quickly. First affiliate is my very own course, Untamed and Unashamed, Reclaiming Your Sacred Sexuality. Oh, y'all, this course. I did not create this course for any other reason than that. I feel the world needs it. That I want women to have it. You can go read about it at jade-brice.com. And then... The next affiliate is Richard Rudd's course, Gene Keys. The link will send you to the Dream Arc. Um, so, so the links are in the show notes. All you do is scroll up on the image of this podcast and you'll see show notes for this specific episode. So the second link will be to the Dream arc for Richard Rudd's Gene Keys. But if you use that link to click on any of his courses, whether it be about love or prosperity, I will get a cut from um, whatever you spend on there. And it would mean so much to me if you would use that link. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. As y'all probably know, my favorite is the suction toy, the clit sucker. It's called Air, A-E-R. I like to pair it. With my pleasure wand or my yoni egg from wands w-a-a-n-d-s.com and code jade for a discount gets you the, um, a discount off of all their all of their products as well they look very beautiful on an altar and they also just came out with a uh, like a period blanket so um, you could use it for sex or for your period or for anything that like you know might get messy and it's really beautiful. I got the one in crimson. It's like velvet on one side and then like kind of plush on the other side. It's so beautiful. So that's, um, pleasure one just came out with that and I'm super excited about it. And then all things infrared at higher dose code Jade 75 gets you $75 off. Thank you so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much you guys, if you'd leave a review, they truly make my day every time a new review comes in and share an episode with a friend if you feel this could be useful to her or him you can also join me on instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast as always be a light stay open and remember you belong here